I don't just mean know about Jesus, I mean know Jesus. You know, um, if there's, you know some of you, um, well, you know, might have been raised in church. Hands up who was raised in church of some description. Okay, so well, half of us to two-thirds of us. You know, but for me, you know, um, you have to encounter Jesus for yourself. Because otherwise you just gain information about him. And you hear people preaching, you hear the word of God being opened and you gain information, information. But the word of God doesn't say just know about him, it says to know him, amen. And to know him is actually a relational thing. To know him is an intimacy thing, it's not just gain more knowledge. And you know, um, you know, myself and my wife one day we just said, God we just really need to know you. We knew the Word of God, we knew what the Bible said, we knew that, you know, we knew all that stuff, but we said, Lord, we just need to know you. And he took us at that prayer, and we started to enter into a relationship with him. And so, if you know about him, but you don't know him, then I'm happy to pray for you today. Amen? Because it's my prayer that you would know him, when I say know him the way I know him, not in the, exactly the same way, but in terms of a relationship with him, that's what I mean. Hey, I'm on a limited time today. I've only got an hour to preach today. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. That was an hour service, wasn't it? Sorry, that was right, yeah. <laughs> hey, I was praying about today. And, uh, you know, I guess part of me wanted to speak to the climate that we live in. Um, and, I, and so I just spent some time in prayer and I guess... If I had to put a title to it, which I did, today's message is about humility, the true posture of a king. Because I was not only reminded this week about the birth of Christ, because obviously we remember the birth of Christ, and, and of course, if we understand um, history, we know that Jesus was not born on the 25th of December. So just in case you weren't aware of that, I just want to make you aware of that. Um, Depending on, on um, the Jewish historians and the times of the day, it was either September, October, or it was March, April. There's a little bit of contention in there. Um, but little parts of the story, like the shepherds in the fields, they're only out in Israel during certain times of the year. And those two times of the year are, are, are the two times, because they're the opposite to us, aren't they? So if you're thinking lambs being born and stuff like that, you know, then, you know, anyway, that's another story. But I guess I was reminded about the birth of Christ. I'll try not to get off track because I've only got limited time. But we can't remember the birth of Christ without the life of Christ, without the death of Christ, and without the resurrection of Christ, and without the reigning of Christ. Is there an amen to that? You can't just separate one part of the story out from all the other parts. You need to, we need to remind ourselves of the whole story, that he was born, that he lived that he died, that he raised again, and he is King of kings and he is Lord of lords, and that is the state to which he is returning. Just as he came to this earth as a baby boy, he, he, he is coming once again, but as King of kings and Lord of lords, and that's why we have to be ready. We have to make sure we've got some oil in our lamps. We have to make sure that we're ready for his return at all times. Amen? But in these times that we live, humility... Humility is one of the things that just continues to strike me. It's a virtue that Jesus just lived out in every part of his life, and it's something that is so needed today. Because at times we struggle to see humility in our nation. 
We struggle to see humility in people. We struggle to see humility in leaders. Is that a fair comment? We've forgotten what humility is. And we've got to understand before we get into the, the core part of this word today, the true, defini- the true definition of humility is not thinking less of yourself. So it's not putting yourself down because God didn't make you in his image to put yourself down. He is the master painter. He is the master artist. And we are not called to put ourselves down. That is, that, is, that is not humility. And in fact, that's something in our nation that needs to disappear in terms of the, the tall poppy syndrome, how we want to put each other down. That is not the kingdom of God. But true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not, not being able to take a compliment. That's actually a false humility. True humility is thinking less of yourself. I'm sorry, thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And Christ showed that. He didn't think of himself. He thought of other people. He said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom. That is what humility is. So humility, the living out of humility... He's not putting yourself down and making sure that, you know, there's no room for pride in your life. True humility is living your life for the benefit of other people. That's what humility is. And that's what Christ came. To live for the benefit of other people, including bringing salvation. Amen? So true humility is not weak. True humility is actually strong. There is a strength in true humility because you're not thinking of yourself. You are secure in who you are, so therefore you can give to other people. Humility, true humility is strong. So I want to just take a quick overview of Jesus today because Jesus shows us what humility really is. And then God's going to challenge us with being humble. Is that okay? So we're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke. If you've got your phones with you that have the Bible, no, just, you know. If you've got, yes, we've got the written word. I just, I like this because you can, you can scribble in it, you can write notes in it, you can do all kinds of stuff on the phone, just not the same. But anyway, I reckon, they'll, I reckon that it'll come back around. Everything comes back around. You see the hairstyles from the 70s or 80s are back in fashion now. The long hair, the buns, all that stuff, that's in fashion. You know, anyway, that's another story as well. I won't get off track. Anyway, get into the Word of God. So in Luke uh, chapter 2, we see um, in verse 7, it says, Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth, and she laid him in a manger. The translation of the word manger can also mean feeding trough. What a place for the Son of God to be born and to be laid. In a feeding trough. Not in some hotel room that was five stars, whatever five stars looked like back then. But he came and he was placed in a manger. He was placed in a feeding trough. And I don't think, well, nothing is by accident with God. But, you know, Jesus says, 
as the animals would come into that feeding trough and they would take their feed, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, that we are to partake of him. So just as the animals would feed from that feeding trough, we are to feed of Jesus, amen? We think about how Jesus lived. We're just going to flip right forward to Luke 22. I didn't think you wanted to read chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, all the way to 22 today. But this is what Jesus said. They were gathered around the table and they took, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. They took of the cup, they drank of the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. They're in this time of communion, they're in this time of intimacy with Jesus, amen. And in the midst of that, there was a dispute that arose. It says in verse 24 of Luke 22, a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. Can you imagine that moment of, of uh, intimacy, of gathering around the table, of Jesus, you know, speaking about that he was going to the cross, that his body was going to be broken and his blood was going to be shed. And this dispute arose among them about who of them should be considered the greatest. You know, sometimes in the world today, it's just a bit like that, isn't it? I'm going to push, I'm going to promote, I'm going to steal, I'm going to corrupt, I'm going to take money, I'm going to take bribes, I'm going to do whatever I do to get to the top of where I want to be. And sadly, that is much of our society today. But Jesus said to them, he said, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who have authority over them um, call themselves benefactors. But it is not to be like that among you. Why? Because we're not born of the kingdom of the world, but we are born of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? On contrary, whoever is the greatest among you should become like the youngest. And whoever leads is to be like the one who serves. So serving, serving is not about controlling and manipulating. Serving is, um, serving is about giving of yourselves to others. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one who is serving? Who's greater? Isn't it the one at the table? In the world's eyes, that's what it is, isn't it? The world's eyes, the one who at the table is greater. The servant comes and serves and waits on the people at the table, so the one at the table is greater. But Jesus said, but we're not born of, of this world. We are born of the kingdom of heaven. He says, but I am among you as one who serves. And I love that. Because he wasn't distant. That's why I never personally love stages in church. I never liked being up so high because Jesus was amongst the people and we need to be amongst the people as one who serves. And that is our life and that is the life of a leader. That is the, you know, if you've got a gift that is meant to be for the body of Christ and for those that yet don't know Jesus, then it is for the benefit of others. The fruit that you bear is not for yourself, it is for the benefit of other people. Amen. So Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. We can go on and we can look at um, how he died. Just flipping the page 
Luke 22, uh, I'm just going to read a couple of verses, 63 to 65 out of Luke 22. The men who were holding Jesus started mocking him and beating him. After blindfolding him, they kept asking, prophesy, prophesy, who was it that hit you? Can you put yourself in his shoes for a minute? After being mocked and beaten, they were mocking him by blindfolding him, asking him to prophesy. He knew. But he was like a lamb led to the slaughter. He added not a word. Because he knew. After, um, our, and they were saying many other uh, blasphemous things to him. That's our Jesus. Humility. If we read in chapter 23, verse 20, wanting to release Jesus, Pilate addressed them again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Mark actually takes this, um, this account and he actually says these words. He says, wanting to satisfy the crowd. He released Barabbas but handed Jesus over to be crucified. Wanting to satisfy the crowd. Are we living for the crowd or are we living for him? I think we, know we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Do we live for the crowd or do we live for Him? And in verse 33, when they arrived at the place they, they called the skull, they crucified Him there, along with the criminals, one on His right and the other on His left. Humility. Through the birth of Jesus, through the life of Jesus, through the death of Jesus, and even through his resurrection. Amen? Luke, uh, Luke 24, 36 says, As they were saying these things, he stood there in their midst. Jesus came and stood in their midst, and he said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and terrified, and they thought that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, Jesus asked them. And why do, you, and, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones that you can see. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. You know, Jesus still carried the scars. That's humility. Right through the life of Christ, we see humility. We live in a society that is so me-focused. In every layer, in every, every area, we live in a society that is so me-focused. What can I get out of this relationship? What can I get out of this job? What can I get out of this circumstance? What can I get out? But we have been, you know, for those that know Jesus, we, we have died to self and, and we've been risen. We've been risen with Christ, and no longer do we live for ourselves, but we live for Him, and we live for the benefit of others. You know, when I was uh, praying this week, I was reminded as I was thinking about the me-focused society that we so often see, I was reminded about a song that was a song when I was growing up in the 80s, because I'm a 70s child, and I remember this song by Moving Pictures, and, 
It came out again by Shannon Noel, like in the 90s, I think, and it was What About Me. Remember that song? What about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough. Now I want my share. Can't you see? I want to live. But you just take more than you give. Anyway, that's a bit of a rendition. But isn't it the echo of our society? What about me? What about me? What about me? It isn't fair. It isn't fair. I've had enough. I want my share. And yet Christ, through his birth, through his life, through his death and through his resurrection, displayed humility in every way. Amen? I think our leaders have lost that. We need to get back to humility because in real humility there is strength. It's not weakness. And it's certainly not wrong to say when you make a mistake, I've got it wrong. It's good to be real, isn't it? I want to close. I'm doing pretty well. For those that know me, I'm doing pretty well for time. I want to finish with these verses from Philippians 2. It's, it, you know, often we read a passage and we go, well, that's really nice, Tim, or whoever's reading it. That's some nice words in there. But I think we need to remind ourselves about who it was written to at times, yep? What was the context? What was happening? And who was it written to? So we read Philippians 2, and it, and it was written to a people that were divided. That's who it was written to. It was these, so these words that I'm about to read today were written to a people that were divided. And if, and if we need to hear these words, we need to hear them today. Because there is division in our nation that doesn't need to be there. Amen. And so these are the words, inspired by the Holy Spirit. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship with the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, then make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united in spirit and in purpose. Now it makes sense. Wow, people were divided. And Paul was reminding them. Reminding them of what Christ had done. Reminding them of the love. Reminding of the fellowship. Reminding them of the ministry of the Spirit. Reminding them of these things. And he says, make my joy complete again. By coming back together, by being one in love, one in spirit, one in purpose. Amen. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. See, the, here's, here's the humility part. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. If you have nowhere to go Christmas Day for lunch or for dinner... There's some people from the church that are going out and giving of themselves to feed other people. If you've got nowhere to go, you are more than welcome to gather with other people. There'll be ham, salads, and whatever else. Give of yourself for another person. This is what Paul's saying, give of yourself for another person. 
Everyone should look not only for his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Then he brings it back to Christ. He says, adopt the same attitude of Christ, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. The Word of God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And when he had become a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, that is, to death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. And this is the Jesus that we also remember today. Not only the one who was born, not only the one who died and gave of himself for us, but we also remember the Jesus who is the name above every other name. Amen? So that, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? This was written to a divided people, and Paul was just pointing them back to Christ. And you know, that is the, that is the cure for any division between any marriage and any relationship and any situation, is to point people back to Christ. Because when Christ is the focus, there is love and there is unity once again. Amen? We need to be reminding ourselves of Christ. And we need to continually say, Lord, have your way in me that I would live the way that you live. We need to remind ourselves that He is the Son of God, that He's glorious, so glorious, that He walked this earth as a man, He gave of Himself, He died, and He is King of kings and He is Lord of lords. I want to close with this thought today. John 17, 3. Jesus says these words. He says, this is eternal life, that you may know me and that you may know the Father who sent me. That's why eternal life is not just something that happens if you know Jesus and when you die from this earth that you go to be with him. Eternal life starts from when you give, up, give yourself to him, that you know him that you can know Him now, you can know Him tomorrow, you can know Him in these coming weeks and months, and in the midst of things that are happening around us in this nation, you can know Him, and you can carry a hope, you can carry a peace, you can carry a joy, you can carry these things because they come from knowing Him. Again, I say that this is not knowing about Him, but this is knowing Him, amen? This is not just gaining more knowledge about Him, this is actually knowing Him. In the same way that you can, you can know about someone. You can know about someone. Just you can know about a famous sports person or a famous music person. And you uh, might know their, their, their date of birth. You, you might know their favorite color. You might know their favorite food. You may know everything about them because you've read about it, but you still don't know them. And then you meet them and you go, Wow. Jesus has made the way that we could come and know him. Not just know about him, but know him. That's my prayer today. For you, for those people that you meet, for those people that you 
relate with for your families, for your extended families, and for other people, for this city, for this state, and for this nation. My prayer is that people will know him. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you today. As we've been reminded that you came, the word who became flesh and dwelt amongst us, you came. And you walked amongst us. You gave of yourself. You gave your life. That we may have life. You reminded us that it is the enemy that comes to steal, kill and destroy. But you came to bring us life and life abundant. So I I just declare that life today. The life of Jesus Christ the life of Jesus Christ into each and every person that's here, into families, into relationships, into this city and this state and this nation, that we would encounter the life that you came to bring. Lord, we want to thank you. We want to praise you. We glorify you today. We exalt you. I'm thinking of those words. I come, let us adore him. God, we adore you and we exalt you. May your name be glorified in this nation more and more and more and more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you do need prayer for anything today, what a great day to have prayer. We've had some testimonies from Christmas Day. I'm not going to get into what they were, but we've had some testimonies where people have asked for prayer about certain things. And then within a few short months, they've come back and said, you know, there's been breakthrough in that area. So if you need prayer for anything today, please come and we'd love to pray with you. Um, we are back here tomorrow with every, anyone else who is around. Lots of people away this weekend, but we will be back here at the normal time of 10 a.m. tomorrow for us. We're going to worship the one who is worthy, the one who is holy. Amen. We're just going to remind ourselves this morning. What a beautiful name. What a powerful name. What a glorious name.